Welcome to The Spin Cycle. I'm Maggie Sarachek. And I'm Abby Greenberg. And together we are the Anxiety Sisters. Anxiety Sisters, and welcome to our show. We get lots of emails and Facebook messages inquiring about all things anxiety, but one of the most frequently asked questions over the last several months has been about using cannabis, which is also known as pot, or CBD oil to treat anxiety. And we're pretty curious, too, about pot or CBD oil. So we did a little research, and we thought we'd give you some interesting facts. First of all, weed is fully legal in 10 states and the District of Columbia as of this morning. The latest state to jump in is Michigan, which happened as of the midterm elections in the fall. So yay, Michigan. Pot is fully illegal in 15 states only. The others permit some form of medical usage and or have decriminalized usage. So we are making some progress in this country in terms of of legalization. However, yes. However, it is still illegal on a federal basis, but even there, there's been some changes in recent, like in the farm bills, now hemp is allowed to be grown. Other parts of the federal government still have other laws against it. So it's kind of a complicated story. Right. I think we're moving in the right direction in terms of legalization. As of October 2018, Canada is fully legalized. So yay, Canada! Yay, Canada! Yet another reason to consider jumping ship. (laughs) Although clinical research has overall been lacking, uh, partially because it's very difficult to ask subjects to do something illegal, there have been some recent studies worthy of mention. In a 2014 survey of 100 medical marijuana users, Webb and Webb found that 50% experienced significant anxiety relief. And in a 2016 survey of more than 1,400 medical marijuana users, 58% reported anxiety as the primary reason for using cannabis, second only to pain management, and then depression was third place. So that was to just show that there's such widespread use now of cannabis to treat anxiety, depression, and pain management. And then in August of 2018, Researchers from Washington State University studied data from 770 medical marijuana users seeking to manage anxiety. There were 363 men and 407 women in this study, and the findings are pretty amazing. They found that the use of cannabis significantly reduced anxiety in 93.5% of the subjects, male and female. They reported a significant reduction in symptoms. So although relatively small samples, still very promising. Uh, And certainly there's plenty of anecdotal evidence that cannabis reduces anxiety, and that's found all over social media and the Internet. Lots of women from our community, they swear by it. We're going to look at anxiety and, and somewhat about pain, too, today, because so many of our anxiety sisters are dealing with chronic pain as a source of their anxiety or one of the sources of their anxiety. Right, or vice versa. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, so we're going to get some good information out here. We consider ourselves to know a lot about anxiety and treatments, but we must admit on this particular subject, we're, we're relatively clueless. 
our vices have always been food-related, chocolate. Um, so we That's have, our pot. So we have very little experience with marijuana, with the exception of the people that live in our, yeah. some of the people that live in our home. So we hunted for an expert in medical marijuana and CBD oil to help us sort this all out. And lucky for us, we found her. Yes, we want to introduce you to Jessie Gill. She's a registered nurse and a cannabis nurse with a background in holistic health and hospice. After suffering a spinal injury, she reluctantly became a medical marijuana patient and then quickly transitioned into an advocate. Her site, MarijuanaMommy.com, educates about cannabis while challenging the stigma against marijuana use. She's been featured on Viceland, and her work has appeared on Vice, Good Housekeeping, Cosmopolitan, MSN, and many more. Please welcome Jessie, the Marijuana Mommy, to our show. Welcome, Jessie. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat about this today. Oh, we are so excited, too. And we noticed that we are still recording. Excellent. (laughs) Um, First, so can you give us a little bit of a story about how you became the Marijuana Mommy? What happened? Sure. Um, Gosh, it's been, you know, a crazy long journey. It started um, nearly five years ago. I was working as a hospice nurse, and I was injured in a bizarre accident that left me with numerous herniated discs in my neck and extensive nerve damage throughout my right arm, my neck, my throat, um, and my head. And it was very, very traumatic. It ended my career. And I started at that point, you know, I was very, I was a nurse. I believed in, in the traditional healthcare system. I was certain that they would find an answer. They would fix it, that I just had to find the right doctor. And I started this journey of visiting a variety of healthcare providers and looking for some sort of answer to this. And, you know, I tried everything. I tried all of the traditional pharmaceuticals. I was, um, I tried extensive physical therapy and eventually I had a multi-level spinal fusion in my cervical, my neck area, and it actually made my condition worse. And at that point I lost the ability to drive. I started developing swallow issues, uh, swallowing issues because of the surgery. You know, they told me that there was nothing else that they could do for me, that from that point forward, my, my case was palliative, which means you'll never get better. We just have to try to make you comfortable. It was really, really crushing, you know, and, you know, not only did I lose my, my passion, my work as a hospice nurse, it was vocation that I adored, um, but it also really affected my life, you know, not driving, especially here in New Jersey is a major challenge. Um, no. And I'm a mom too. And my kids were younger at the time. So I became completely dependent on pharmaceuticals. I was taking opiates and Valium around the clock to try to manage some of the pain um, and some of the severe spasms. And then I was on other medications like Lyrica, um, you know, several antidepressants, and a whole list of medications simply to manage the side effects of those medications. Wow. And I Were you experienced anxiety and depression as a result oh, of the accident? Ex- excessive, extreme anxiety and depression as a result of the accident. And I always battled anxiety. So, um, but yes, it became a lot more extreme after the accident, especially the, the depression um, and, you know, the, the grieving of the loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, really sent me for a loop. And not only that, but pharmaceuticals, um, you know, like opiates and, and Valium are depressants as well. So that very much aggravated and, and contributed. Many people do very well on benzodiazepines, but I, I tend to get depressed on them. So I do mm-hmm. know that. So I had been, you know, pretty much existing simply based off of these pharmaceuticals. And I, at the same time, 
I was still trying every complementary medicine and every complementary modality that was out there. I was getting acupuncture. I was, you know, getting flotation therapy. Um, I was trying everything possible. It's like about a year after the accident and a friend came to me and was like, you should try marijuana. And at first I was mad. I was like, that's ridiculous. Like I am in such, I have such a serious condition. You don't understand. Morphine doesn't help me. You're telling me a joint's going to help. That's stupid. And um, my mother, who's also a nurse, <clears throat> was like, what are, what are you talking about? Like, you are trying everything out there. Like, why wouldn't you look into this? Why wouldn't you try this? And she convinced me to, you know, do a little bit of more research into the topic. And I was actually amazed by what I started to discover. And the research that was out there from other countries and from, you know, the anecdotal evidence was remarkable of how it could help chronic pain and help relieve muscle spasticity. So eventually I did. I became a medical marijuana patient. My parents took me to the dispensary to get me my, my pot the first time, and I was blown away. The very same day that I tried cannabis, I was able to stop the opiates and Valium that day, cold that turkey. Day. It was wow. remarkable. And then I was able to slowly come off of the other medications like Lyrica and everything else following that over like the next year or so. So I was right away just flabbergasted. And at the time I was already blogging, I was a health blogger um, and I was writing and sharing my story about you know, my accident and the things that had happened to me. So it just kind of naturally progressed into talking about my experiences with cannabis. And eventually it transitioned into um, Marijuana Mommy a few years ago. And mm -hmm. it's been really, really remarkable. You know, I felt, I felt obligated to share my story because as a nurse, I knew how reluctant so many people are to explore this plant as a medicine. And I knew that people could relate to that. Mm. Wow. In the time you've been using the marijuana, have you been able to drive again? Or has it helped you physically? Unfortunately, no, I still cannot drive. Uh -huh. um, you know, marijuana is amazing as a symptom management medication. Okay. It's not often like a cure for things. Right. Um, so it's something that you have to keep taking to achieve the effects. So it does help a great deal with the pain. Way, way better than any pharmaceutical ever helped me. It helped. Wow. It's amazing with the spasticity, but unfortunately, I still have not gotten, you know, I still have a lot of challenges. I still can't drive. I still have okay. occasional swallowing issues. But psychologically, it's remarkably better. And my life has, you know, completely transitioned because of it. You know, when I was living off of pharmaceuticals and, you know, in the depths of this depression, I wasn't really able to function and completely participate in life. But sure. with cannabis, you know, it not only helps my symptoms, but it doesn't bog me down the same way that the um, pharmaceuticals had. Ah, and it allows me to engage in life. Not only does it not cause depression for me, but it actually helps relieve, you know, any of the, the depression that I was enduring. So I, I have a question. Sure. So when you say that you take medical marijuana for your pain management, do you smoke it? That's a good question. You know, there are a variety of methods of consumption, and smoking is a great one for many people because it's inexpensive and, you know, it's easy to access and it's immediate. Personally, no, I suffer from asthma, and I do, you know, I have occasionally smoked, but it tends to irritate my asthma, just the heat and the actual uh, smoke. So I vaporize it which is very, very similar. I use dry flour and I use a dry flour vaporizer. But more so, I actually use oil, which here in New Jersey, we have to make ourselves. So I use my flour, I cook it into a cannabis oil, and then I microdose, which means to take tiny, small amounts at regular intervals throughout mm -hmm. the day. Do you feel high 
when you take it or? No. And, you know, this was one of the challenges. And some of my reluctance to, to trying cannabis was that I didn't want to be high and that, you know, I was not cannabis naive. I, I knew I had experienced cannabis like earlier in my life and I had a lot of very negative associations to it. And I'm like, I don't want to be a, like, I don't want to be pothead and I don't want to be a mom who's, who uses marijuana and I don't want to deal with the, the criticism and the stigma. But one of the effects of microdosing is exactly avoids that high feeling. So you get kind of the medical benefits, but you don't get that intoxication depending on how you use it. Now, medical marijuana, depending on the strain, absolutely can make people high, you know, just like a, a painkiller can. If you take too yes, much, sure. you're going to get high. Yes. Um, but it's all about responsible use and use in moderation. Now, that being said, also at the same time, there are people who do need to use a higher amounts and do endure more side effects because they just need a, a higher dosage. Okay. So the side effects like euphoria, uh, which tends to, that tends to stop as you become a patient. Like as your tolerance builds, you don't necessarily experience that same euphoria that somebody who's cannabis naive would feel. So that's kind of a bummer for anybody who, you know, enjoys getting high or enjoys <laughs> recreational use. If you're using it every day, you're not going to get those same effects anymore. I and mean, you're going to need a much, much higher dose. I and mean, that's another thing, like it's so expensive um, in here in New Jersey that it's just not practical <laughs> to, to wow. use it recreationally. Also, I personally, and this is something that a lot of people encounter, um, I do deal with THC-induced anxiety. Um, and really? that is something, yeah, that's fairly common manifestation that some people do experience. So I um, personally use a great deal of CBD, which kind of counteracts that anxiety, you know, counteracts that THC-induced anxiety, kind of brings it down a little bit. And also at the same time, that's another reason why I microdose and keep my THC dosages small. So THC is the chemical in pot for people that don't know that makes you feel high. Exactly. That, yes. It's a so when you, right? Yeah. So when you break down cannabis into its components, you're going to end up with hundreds of different chemicals. Mm -hmm. And these, you know, many of these chemicals are the same chemicals that can be found in a variety of other plants. CBD and THC are the most popular cannabinoids, and there's over a hundred and something different cannabinoids, and we're mm -hmm. still finding new ones. And all of them are very, you know, have a therapeutic effect. Mm -hmm. um, but CBD and THC are definitely the most popular and the most well-researched so far. And now THC is the one that can give you the euphoria or the high the feeling, high. whereas yes. CBD does not. CBD does not have those effects, correct. Uh, but, but I heard you say that you take both because you take the CBD oil to counteract the anxiety. Yes. So that's one of the, the remarkable things about CBD is that it can counteract THC-induced anxiety. So it's really, really helpful for people who need THC. Right. Um, but still, but don't enjoy the way it makes them feel. CBD can help that. So for chronic pain, I think a lot of people have to use the THC, right? Most often, yes. I mean, CBD is a really powerful anti-inflammatory, so it can help with inflammation, which <laughs> ultimately can help with chronic pain. But from my experience, most of the people that I've seen have needed to add some THC to their, you know, to really get the maximum benefit. What about if you're um, seeking relief from not chronic pain, but just anxiety or depression? What would people generally need to take for that? Would they need the THC or just the CBD oil or? Good question. Um, you know, a lot of people greatly benefit from just CBD oil alone. And, you know, it's, 
we kind of have to look at CBD oil is basically cannabis oil without the, the you know, it has less than 0.3% of THC. And that would be considered CBD oil. But, you know, when you really break it down, CBD oil has all of those other minor cannabinoids as well, you know, that we don't hear as much about. Right. Um, so it can, it can really, really benefit. Still, there are patients that do need a little bit of THC. And then there are other people who need higher doses of THC, who don't experience THC-induced anxiety, and who actually really benefit from the sedation that people can feel from THC. Right. And like with all medications, you know, Mm -hmm. we were talking about benzodiazepines and, you know, opiates earlier. Like all medications can have an effect on your activities. Usually people who start medical marijuana tend to experience it, you know, in the early couple weeks. So I think of it a lot like Lyrica. I was on Lyrica Mm -hmm. for a long time. And when they give you Lyrica, they're like, don't drive for two weeks, wait and see how this medication affects you. It makes you feel loopy and weird for a few weeks, but then you kind of get used to it. Same is true for for medical marijuana. So not CBD oil, but medical marijuana, but full spectrum medical marijuana. So I have a question. A lot of people just write to us asking, how do they go about if they want to try CBD oil? How do they get it? How do they learn what dose to take? You know, I know you can get on Amazon. I know you can order CBD oil, but I, you know. Yes, I I don't recommend that. Okay. (laughs) Good, good question. Because there are tons of CBD products on the market right now. There's a few things people want to look for when they're reaching for high quality CBD oil. They want to look and make sure that, you know, independent lab testing is being conducted by the companies, that they're testing every single batch not only for potency, but we have to make sure there's not pesticides in there, heavy metals. Um, there's a lot, a lot of contaminated products on the market, unfortunately. Um, and those can actually cause more harm than good. So people really want to go with a reliable company who batch tests every single one of their products. You also want to look at like the source, where it's coming from. You really want something grown in the U.S. or Europe because the, the standards for hemp are much stricter than than other countries. Pricing is a big issue for some people because CBD is very, very expensive. So there are some really great companies out there that are trying to, you know, enhance the accessibility to patients who can't afford it. Like, for example, Bluebird Botanicals has an excellent program for people who cannot afford their products. Can you say Um, that name again? Yeah, say the name again. Sure. It's Bluebird Botanicals. They have a great high quality product um, and they're also really, really taking steps to offer accessibility to people who can't afford it because it it can be expensive and it can be tempting for a lot of people to just buy like the cheaper things that you see on Amazon. But a lot of times these aren't hemp oil at all. They aren't CBD oil. A lot of times they'll be hemp seed oils, which really doesn't contain the high doses of cannabinoids that people really need to get the therapeutic effects. With the hemp farm bill that was recently passed a couple months ago, it's really opened up access. And unfortunately, there's this contradiction between the federal departments on, you know, the FDA saying, no, CBD is not legal. But the, the Department of Agriculture says, oh, yes, it is. So right now, personally here in New Jersey, I can go into my pharmacy that's, you know, down the road and they have four different brands of CBD oil that I can purchase and CBD based products, high quality, great products. So it really, really depends. A lot of pharmacies, a lot of health food stores are starting to carry it now. Are there times where it's really contraindicated, like where you really should not take it? Or Good question. So there's definitely risks associated with cannabis. It's not a completely benign substance. Um, so first, with full spectrum cannabis, with THC products, there's the potential for um, abuse or for addiction. And I think it's important to note that becoming addicted to cannabis is more similar to 
a, a caffeine addiction than it is to like a pharmaceutical addiction or, you know, a heroin right. addiction. Right. You don't, uh, withdrawal is, you know, it causes irritation. It can cause frustration. It can cause, uh, you know, a lot of mood issues. It can cause um, headaches, um, but it doesn't cause the actual withdrawal feelings right. that you might get from something more significant. Um, but still, it's a risk. So people who are at high risk for addiction, especially like the youth, we always want to be careful with THC-based products. CBD has no potential for addiction. So it's something you can just take and stop as you prefer. The only real contraindication to cannabis use is really a strong history of schizophrenia. Studies show that people who have a genetic predisposition to developing schizophrenia can experience psychosis when they use, you know, depending on the dosage of THC. Now, at the same time, CBD itself has also been shown to have positive effects on schizophrenia, possibly, and it's being, it's being explored currently as a possible treatment for schizophrenia. And then there's a genetic test that people can do. There's a specific gene called AKT1 that is related to the genetic predisposition for schizophrenia. So people who have that um, gene definitely want to use extreme caution when they're adding um, THC. They could still use CBD oil, as far as we know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, but I think it's also important to point out that there are possible drug interactions with both right. CBD and THC, some antidepressants, like for example, Zoloft. What happens is basically the molecules, the CBD and THC molecules, are competing in the body for the same, you know, enzymes that are metabolizing it, and the same pathways, the same metabolic pathways. So you kind of get a higher dosage of the medication in the blood which can put the person at risk for, you know, more side effects. And it's rare. Again, there's a, it's, it's highly genetic, so every person varies. And the metabolic pathways differ from person to person slightly. So, so <laughs> I always encourage anybody who's adding CBD or THC to their, their care plan to do so under the guidance of their physician, but also to do so slowly, add very small doses and see how it affects them. And I think that's true for anybody, but it's especially true for people who are on other pharmaceuticals. I'm imagining that a lot of physicians aren't really very well trained in the use of CBD oil or cannabis, not even in terms of drug interactions, just in terms of how much to take and what kind to get. So if I'm someone who is just starting out on this journey and I have anxiety or I have depression or I have chronic pain, what do I do? Where do I go to start? Do you have information on your website? Are there certain people that could help me? How do I find someone to help me on this journey? That's a great question. It really depends in the, on the area that the individuals live in. And you're absolutely right. Most physicians don't know anything about cannabis. In nursing school, they don't teach anything about cannabis. And it's interesting because we have an, an entire system in our body called the endocannabinoid system that is basically what everything else is built on. And it's responsible for, you know, the theories that are being presented that it's responsible for homeostasis and balance in our body. So if you get the endocannabinoid system out of balance, a lot of issues follow. If you balance the endocannabinoid system, it can address a lot of those issues like chronic migraines, IBS, anxiety issues. Those are just theories, but you're right. No physicians are being taught about that. So I think it's super important for people to, if they want to explore cannabis, you know, they should really, really look into the grassroots movements that are in their area because there are physicians all over the country. There are health professionals that are you know, involved in the movement to add medical marijuana. It's just a matter of finding them. 
So you would, um, let's say, maybe search the internet for search someone? Search the who- internet. I mean, I have tons of information on marijuana mommy. It really varies depending on the state, unfortunately, you know, about what's available. For example, here in, in New Jersey, we only have access to flour. If you go to New York, they only have access to concentrates. It's very, very dependent on location, on your region. What does that mean, flour? You mean... It's the cannabis flower. It's the flower of the cannabis plant. And that's really where all of the cannabinoids actually reside in that flower. And that's what we grind up and smoke or vaporize or cook or use to make concentrates. Like vape cartridges are so popular right now. And that's something people really need to be careful about with the black market because they can be highly contaminated, unfortunately. And they are. And, you know, the studies are showing, especially like concentrates, can have a lot of contamination. And the same with with flour or, you know, a whole plant. People need to be really careful about where they're purchasing from because you don't want pesticides and you don't want heavy metals. That's going to worsen your anxiety. You know, that's going to cause more health problems. So I saw on your website when I was doing some research for the show that you have certain companies that you recommend. Oh, yes, for, yes. for high quality. And so what I was going to ask is, can you order products from those companies over the internet? Yes, a lot of places deliver to everywhere. You know, I did hear rumors that people were not delivering to South Dakota, but I think it depends on this specific company. You can order it online, but definitely order it from a reputable, high quality company. That's super important. Max and I have talked about trying it together. How would we know what dose to take? That's a great question. And again, it's highly individualized. Like I was, I mentioned the endocannabinoid system and that's, it's very, very different for every person because every person can metabolize cannabis at a different rate and it can make each person feel different. And the method of consumption can change the way a person feels. So as far as dosing, it's super important for people to start low and go slow. That's a mantra you'll hear all the time in the cannabis industry. Start with a very low dose and increase very slowly because you don't want to experience, you know, THC-induced anxiety or, you know, be overly sedated. That's for cannabis. And then even for CBD, like too much CBD can make people feel very sedated. You know, a lot of people are going for that. They're help, you know, using it to help them sleep. But if you want to take it during the day, you don't want to take too high of a dose. So it's always great to start low. I always encourage people to look at the realm of caring's dosing guidelines. They have excellent dosing guidelines. They have it for adults, for pediatrics, and also for cancer. They have their hands in so many different research programs that are going on around the country, and they just do remarkable advocacy work. But they do offer a great dosing guideline sheets. You can print them out. And they offer guidelines for THC and also for CBD. How do you take it? How- Good question. You can take it a variety of ways. Personally, I use tinctures most often. I've recently gotten into, and I just take it under my tongue. You know, I put a few drops under my tongue and it's absorbed through the mucous membranes. But there are many CBD edibles on the market. Um, Actually, this in the Super Bowl this year, there's going to be commercials advertising CBD coffee by Barista Barista Coffee out of Seattle. Um, So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, there are CBD suppositories, which I personally recently started using for endometriosis. And oh my gosh, they're amazing. And there are inhalers. Vaping CBD is becoming very common, but I'm very cautious with vaping anything in a cartridge. Like I, you really have to be careful with what you're inhaling. The tinctures are amazing. They, they don't work as quickly as like vaping it would. There's also these liposomal CBD, like um, elixinol and quicksilver make some. Tastes like you're sucking on a lemon peel, but it works so, so quickly. You put it, you know, you take it under your tongue. 
a lot of times people will try a CBD product and they're like, this doesn't work for me. CBD doesn't help. And I always say, try a different brand because you're going to be using a different species of flower. It's interesting, especially for our listeners who've dealt with the Prozac doesn't work for me, but Zoloft is great. Exactly. You know, exactly. And that's exactly what I tell people when when I'm talking about pain. I'm people like, try all these different things. And I'm like, how many pharmaceuticals did you try? Because I know I tried like a long list. But I'm always available to answer questions and share resources and share guidance. So anybody can always reach out to me if they have questions. Questions and I'm happy to direct them to the, you know, the right answer. It's so, so scary to start. And I, I understand that because I was scared out of my mind. But once you, you get in there and you get in a groove and you realize that it, you experience these benefits and the horrors that they promised in prohibitionist propaganda don't happen, people kind of get a lot more comfortable with it. And it's a pretty quick adjustment for most people. Max told me that I needed an antidepressant for eight years before I was willing to try. I just was terrified. It sounds like you deal with a lot of the same stigma issues that we in the anxiety field deal with in terms Absolutely. of, you know, if we post anything about medication, we really, we really hear from both sides of the spectrum in terms of people who <laughs> yeah. feel that medication is the devil's work. And then there's I think, yeah, I think, like it saved our lives. Right. And I think that's such an important thing to discuss because you're right. And even in, in the cannabis world, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, pharmaceuticals are evil. Opiates are the devil. But as a nurse, I can tell you, I've seen it help people and save lives and change lives. And I think pharmaceuticals are definitely being overused right now, but there's absolutely a place for them and people need them sometimes. So they should not be afraid to fall back on that type of medication. You've been so generous with your time and your knowledge. Pleasure. We could talk to you all day, but <laughs> I think that this might be the first full podcast that my husband actually listens to. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> so for more information about Jesse's journey and about all things cannabis and CBD, including some great recipes. Yes, yeah, so she has great recipes on there. And yes. just knowledge and ideas. And you can visit her website, which is marijuanamommy.com. Thanks so much, Jesse. Uh, thank you, guys. I admire and cherish you for what you do. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on our website at www.anxietysisters.com. As always, if you have feedback, especially compliments, questions, or an idea for a podcast, please email us. And if you are enjoying the podcast, we would so appreciate your leaving us a review on SoundCloud or iTunes so we can get the word out to more Anxiety Sisters. Also, newsflash... Our podcast is now on Spotify, so you can listen there, too. Thank you so much for joining us, and remember, Anxiety anxiety Sisters, sisters don't don't go go it alone. alone. You're listening to The Spin Cycle, an Anxiety Sisters production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.